0: I hope you uh, picked up a a copy of the uh, sermon notes as uh, we continue our study on uh, keys to uh, spiritual growth. And we are presently looking at the means of grace that God has given us to grow. Uh, A couple weeks ago we looked at the Word of God and how God uses uh, His Word to grow us in our relationship with Christ. Last week we looked at the Lordship of Christ and the importance of surrendering to Him. And this morning we want to look at prayer. And as I've shared with you in the previous studies, I hope you will view these sermon notes not so much as sermon notes, but as a worksheet uh, for you to take home uh, and to utilize this uh, to aid you in your growth, and especially here in this matter of prayer. Now what I've done this morning uh, in this particular lesson, I've basically just taken several lessons on prayer that I've shared in the past. And I've just sort of put them together just to give you a lot of hopefully good information, very practical information uh, that you can use to develop uh, your own prayer life. So there's a lot lot here, uh, but we'll be able to move through this uh, quickly And again, the most important thing is not what I say, but you then taking this and leaving here, and then in your personal life, uh, putting this into practice. So look at that key principle. And this is something that really transformed my personal prayer life uh, when I saw this a number of years ago. And uh, that first sentence seems a little shocking at first, but you'll understand as uh, I explain it further. There is no power in prayer in and of itself. Power resides in the person of God alone. Prayer is the means to plug into God's person and power to be a light for Christ. A very simple illustration that I've used in the past. Just think of a lamp. With an electrical cord. There is no power. In that electrical cord. In and of itself. But what's the value of that electrical cord? It has the ability to be plugged into a power source. And then once connected and plugged into that power source. To conduct the electricity into the lamp. To light it up. That's a perfect illustration of prayer. There's no power power in prayer in and of itself, the value of prayer is that it can connect you, plug you in to the person and power of God, plug you in to discover His plan for your life, His empowerment to execute that plan, and most important, to light you up, uh, to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that so important to understand? Well, when you realize that, you come to the reality there are a lot of prayers that are prayed that are absolutely meaningless because you never get really plugged into the person and power of God to execute His plans and His purposes for your life. Now, go on further. Notice I say, God gave prayer to empower me, and I mentioned four things. And uh, I've I, I, Really appreciate sort of the way I put this down here because it also gives me an opportunity to review uh, our last book study at the end of last year on the book of uh, Philippians. And if you remember, uh, the very heart and soul of Philippians uh, was with with this fourfold picture of, of Christ that we saw in each of the chapters, and this is a beautiful reminder uh, of that and uh, what our response should be to Christ. So look at that first one. What's the purpose of prayer? It's to empower me to live for Christ in all circumstances. Philippians 1.21, talking about Christ our life. For to me, living means living for Christ. So it's very important for us to understand why God gave us the tool of prayer. It's not for me to get what I desire, but it's the means to accomplish God's will in and through my life. So God has given me prayer to empower me to live for Him in all circumstances. Look at the second thing. Not only to live for Christ in all circumstances, but to love like Christ in all relationships. That Christ is my mind. Uh, Philippians 2.5, you must have the same attitude or the same mind that Christ Jesus had. So God wants to use prayer to empower me to live for Him in every circumstance I encounter, but then to learn to love like Christ in every relationship that I enter in my life. Look at the third thing. God gave prayer to look to Christ in all decisions. Again, to find His mind, to find His heart, to find His will. Uh, Paul said in Philippians three fourteen, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then... The fourth reason God gave prayers to lean on Christ in all challenges. Philippians 4.13, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. So very simply, the purpose of prayer is to plug you in to the person and power of God in order that you would be enabled, empowered by God to live for Him in every circumstance. To love like Him in every relationship, to look to Him in every decision, and to lean on Him in every challenge. And you know, and and if you look at the prayers in the Bible, you see this uh, very, very clearly. Just take some of uh, Paul's prayers. Uh, We mentioned here we're to live for Christ in all circumstance. Think of the prayer in Ephesians 1 that begins at verse 17, that I've encouraged you to pray on a regular basis as we go through this series on keys to spiritual growth. It's what? God grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. And so open the eyes of our heart and understanding that we would see what? What is the hope of your calling? In other words... What is your plan for my life in light of these circumstances that I'm encountering? And then he goes on that I would not only see your plan in the midst of these circumstances, but I would know your provision. I would be able to see the riches of your grace that you've deposited in me so that I can appropriate those riches to be empowered to encounter the circumstances I'm facing and to know your will and to please you. And then it goes on it says that I might see the power that's been made available to me through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Love like Christ in all relationships. Think of Paul's prayer in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I think it begins at about verse 9. He says that we would grow in love more and more and more. In all discernment and wisdom to approve those things are excellent as we relate to one another. That we would not harm one another, but be helpful with one another. We would not tear down with one another, but we would build up one another. Uh, to, look like Christ, to look to Christ in all decisions. His prayer in Colossians 1. God, fill me with the knowledge of what you've willed for my life. Direct me with your wisdom, with your understanding. Why? So that I would walk worthy of my calling in Christ. So that I would please you in every aspect of my life. Bearing fruit in every good work. And strengthen with your power. As you work in me. Steadfastness and perseverance. To give thanks in every situation. So again folks. Look over that. As you go to the Lord in prayer. This is what you want to do. Lord. What circumstances am I facing in my life right now? And, Lord, I want to know your mind and your heart in these circumstances. You know what? You don't immediately run to God, especially when you hit difficult circumstances, and say, God, get me out of this mess. No. You said, God, you're a sovereign God. You're in control. Now, God, I want to be able to see my circumstances right now the way you see it. I, I, I don't know so much want to escape as exalt Christ. I I want you to give me understanding how to use these circumstances, how to utilize them to make Christ known to others. Uh, Love like Christ in all relationships. So, when you go to God in prayer, what relationships are you involved in? Are are you married? You have children? You have co workers? You have neighbors? You have church family? You can go on and on and on. And and you begin to examine those relationships and and, and you. Acknowledge God. Again, you're in control. No one can touch my life unless you've allowed it. And so every person that touches my life, and they hear me, this is a tough pill to swallow, but no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, they're God's gift to me. God's gift to teach me to love as Christ loved, to teach me to forgive as Christ forgave, To teach me the patience of Christ. So again, I go to God in prayer to find the strength. Not to retaliate to those that I dislike or that have hurt me. But to learn to love them. Is Christ loved them? Looking to Christ in all decisions. What decisions are you facing in life? What decisions related to your family? What decisions related to your business? What spiritual decisions? And you take those decisions to Him. Acknowledging that you're submitting to His will, like we talked about last week. Your Lord, you know, I, Lord, and as my Lord, I'm submitted totally to your authority to serve, not my agenda, but your agenda, and to seek your approval. So, Lord, let me know your mind. Let me know your heart. Let me be guided and directed by you. And to lean on Christ in all challenges. That I take those challenges... And I realize God wants to perfect His strength in my weakness, in my human frailty, so I don't whine about my trials. I say, thank you for the opportunity for you to shine through me. And so again, you go to God in prayer, recognizing that that's the purpose of it all. He wants you to come to Him in prayer, to be empowered, to be lit up for Christ, to live him in every circumstance love like christ in all relationships look to christ in all decisions and lean on him in all challenges now let's move on and i hope this is i want to keep this very simple very practical how to plug into the power of god through the lord's prayer and of course you find the lord's prayer in matthew chapter 6 it's uh, included there in the uh, sermon on the mount and uh look first at four truths with me look number one This is where it all begins. Refocus your thoughts on God. In other words, prayer begins by me turning away from all other things to what? Put my thoughts, to put my focus on God. And that's why Jesus says, but you, when you pray, go into your what? Inner room. And don't get hung up on the place. The the idea is that it's just you and God alone. You know, I found, for example, one of the best inner rooms for me is when I'm in my car, alone, uh, going to different places. Another wonderful inner room for me is when I'm just working out on a treadmill, when I'm just there by myself and I can just focus my thoughts on God and pray. Yes, times it's, it's where you're getting alone with God, maybe in a room in your home or in your office or wherever it might be. But the the idea is you're literally turning away from all other things to put your thoughts and your focus entirely on God. I love the way uh, Matthew 6, 6 reads from the paraphrase, the message. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so, you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can ma- manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will sense His grace. So, you refocus your thoughts on God, and that takes us right to the second point because we can't do that unless we do this remove all distractions. I have to remove willfully. Intentionally, conscientiously, all distractions. He said, and when you have shut the door. In other words, God desires and he merits undivided attention. He desires my undying affection and my uncompromising allegiance. And I'm really not ready to pray unless I get to that place in my heart and life where those things are true. Well, I've so removed the distractions. Okay, God has my attention now. He has my affections, and He has my allegiance. Now I'm in a position to really pray, to really listen, to hear, to respond in an obedient uh, fashion. And then look at a third point. Realize, then you are talking with the all-knowing, all-powerful, holy God. Matthew 6, 6, the latter part of that verse says, pray to your Father who is in secret. Now folks, just pause a moment and notice this is the fundamental portrait of prayer in the New Testament, and especially in the teaching of Jesus. And what is that portrait? A loving father with his admiring child. That's it. Just a precious, precious picture of a loving father with his admiring child. And that's what we have when we go to God in prayer. A father who loves us, who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cruel, rugged cross to pay for the penalty of our sin and to deliver us from the power of sin. And as Jovi just sang, rose again. The grave could not hold him. And he rose again so that he could live in your heart and commune with you. So that his life might be resurrected in and through you. Like we've been talking about, that you might be lit up. To be a light for uh, Christ. Now, we need to interject here, right here, before we go to the fourth point, causes for becoming unplugged. Uh, I think it's very, very obvious if we're talking about the key principle in prayer, is seeing it is my opportunity to get connected in the person and power of God. And that the demands that he have my undivided attention, my undying affection, and uncompromising allegiance. I need to examine my life. I need to be honest as I go to God in prayer. To make sure that there is nothing that would prevent me from getting plugged in. To be lit up for Christ. uh, To be a light uh, for others. So look at some of these causes that we need to examine. And let me just say before we go through this. If you're a believer... You don't have to fear being totally honest with God. Because Jesus already took the penalty of your sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What he asked of his child, he realizes in our human frailty that we are not always going to be perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to falter. We're going to stumble. And sometimes it will be very deliberate, be very willful. Just like we have children that very deliberately and willfully uh, rebel against us at times. But what he wants is me to be totally honest and transparent. Realizing that nothing can alter his disposition of love toward me because of what Christ accomplished for me in his cross. And so now I have this wonderful opportunity to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. And that refers to being honest, truthful. And as I'm honest and truthful, what? In the blood of Christ, what? Cleanses us from all sin. But these are the things we need to look at. So when I go to God in prayer, I need to say, God, is there any sin in my life? That's the first thing, sin. Is there any sin that I need to confess, that I need to forsake? And then turn to follow heart after Christ is my first love. Psalm 66:18. "If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear." And notice the focus on what? The heart. What's happening on the inside? in terms of my attitude? In terms of my desires, my will. In terms of my thought life. Again, how many times have I said from this pulpit, I've never known any believer to experience ever degree of real growth until they got serious about the inner man. About their thought life. About their desires, their heart. Getting totally transparent, honest with God about all of that. And asking Him to empower you to turn from that which is inappropriate. To put your focus on Him. And then notice that statement right... Here it is. If sin goes unchecked, prayer goes unanswered. If sin goes unchecked, prayer goes unanswered. God just says we're going to put everything on hold for a moment. Because more important than me responding to this prayer... Is to get the life of the prayer right. Because that's God's focus. God's primary goal. And we've seen this in spiritual growth. Is what? To make you like Jesus. So if, prayer, if sin is going unchecked in your life. God's just going to put everything on hold. Because he's more concerned about you. And your development. Your walk with him. Look at the second thing we need to examine. Being double minded. Lord, am I being double-minded? Now, what is double-mindedness? It's, it's having a divided heart towards God. Where you know, on one hand, I'm trying to sort of walk with God, but then I'm not really giving up all the things I know I need to give up to follow Him. Sort of what uh, the prophet Elijah said to the children of Israel at Mount Carmel. Remember, he turned to them and he said, Why? Are you halting between two opinions? If God is God, then follow God. If Baal is true, follow Baal. But quit this sickening, you know, divided heart. This double-mindedness. Look at what James says. For let not that man, the double-minded man, expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being, double-minded, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So here's the application right here, that next statement. Only when I get serious about following God will God get serious about listening to me. Only when I get serious about following God will God get serious about listening to me. I mean, God is really not interested in me just coming to Him and whining about everything that I want like a selfish brat. Again, the purpose of prayer is to plug into the person and power of God to be empowered to follow Him. As we talked about, live for Him in every circumstance. Love like Christ in all relationships. Look to Him in every decision. And to lean on Him in all challenge. To be lit by Christ to be a light for others. Look at the next one. Selfishness. Lord, is there selfishness in my life? Am I, am I being directed Just by a self-centered attitude. Where it's all about me. James 4.3. You ask. And you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Folks. Prayer is about God's glorification. Not my gratification. That's that next statement in your notes. Prayer is. Is about God's glorification, not my gratification. Again, prayer is not the means for me to get what I want. Prayer is the means to execute God's will. To execute His plan for my life. So, Lord, is there any sin I need to confess? Is there any area I'm being double-minded? I'm playing the part of the hypocrite? Divided heart. Is there any selfishness I need to acknowledge, turn from? And then look at the next one. Insensitivity to the needs of others. Insensitivity to the needs of others. Proverbs twenty-one thirteen. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. So that next statement in your notes, how I respond to the needs of others, often determines how God responds to me. So as I go to God in prayer, in that attitude of surrender, I need to ask God, is there any need that I'm being unresponsive to, that you've been prompting me to invest in? I mean, am I being faithful in my giving to my church family? Am I being faithful in reaching out to those in need that you bring me into contact with? And you just surrender that to Him. What would you have me do? And then this next one is a huge one. A huge one. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Mark 11, verses 25 and 26. But when you are praying, when you are praying... First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Why? So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. But if you refuse to forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that confuses a lot of believers. They say, wait a minute, I thought my sins were forgiven. And and I think the best way to explain this is, as a believer... You have been judicially forgiven because Christ took the penalty of your sin from a judicial perspective. God's justice has been satisfied, and you are forgiven, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I think there's also the issue, I'll just use the term uh, parental forgiveness, which affects fellowship, not relationship. See, once I know God's justifying work, once I know Christ's forgiveness as a result of His work on the cross, nothing can alter my relationship with God. That is secure. Well, folks, I can definitely affect my fellowship with God by the way I act, by the attitudes I have, by the way that I, I live. And I believe what God is saying here, if you want fellowship, if it, anyway, let's put it in the context of this message. If you really want to get plugged into my person, if you really want to get plugged into my power to discover my plan for your life and to be empowered to execute that plan, then you better forgive. Because if you don't forgive, that ain't going to happen. That is not going to In other words, refusing to forgive someone is simply burning the bridge that you have to cross to get to God. That's exactly what you're doing. And you need to understand that. And so that next statement, I must be right vertically to have an impact horizontally. Actually, that should be the other way around. That was my mistake. That should be, I must be right horizontally in my relationship to others to have an impact Vertically with God. So just reverse that. That's my mistake. I must be right horizontally to have an impact vertically. And then look at the next one. Here's one that is sort of ouchy uh, unresolved marital conflict. Unresolved marital conflict. And again, we're not trying to say marital conflict alone. All of us that are married know we have conflict. The key word is unresolved. When there's conflict in the home and we do not give ourselves to resolve it, but whether we take up a position of battle. You know what I mean. It says, you husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Notice why. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I think that same principle would also relate to the wife relating to the husband. I think it relates to children relating to their parents, parents with their children. In other words, you might want to say unresolved family conflict. I mean what's your position in your home are you the husband father are you wife mother are you a child parent what is it and you have to examine those relationships within your home and have you done everything within your power to resolve any conflict that's there that's the key Romans 12 says that you're to do whatever It's necessary to be at peace with all men. Not that you're going to be able to necessarily achieve peace on every occasion. But have you done everything possible, as far as it's possible with you, to be at peace with your spouse, to be at peace with your children, to be at peace with your parent, or whoever it might be. Do you understand? Again, it's not if there's conflict. You 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 may live in a tumultuous home. Uh, where there's continual conflict and and i'm trying to say if that exists that god's not going to answer your prayers you 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 need the power of prayers much or more than anyone else but the question you need to ask yourself is as i'm in this situation am i using prayer again to get plugged into god To be able to see this spouse that I'm struggling with, or maybe this child, or maybe a child struggling with a parent. Hey, this is God's gift to me. To teach me to love as Christ loved. To teach me His patience, His gentleness, His tenderness, His forgiveness. So God, I surrender to you. Give me wisdom, understanding to know how to relate going forward. And again, I'm not trying to say that's going to be the cure-all and it's going to resolve every conflict, but at least you will be right with God. You will be at peace to be able to know power in prayer. And so that statement, static in the home, makes for a bad connection in heaven. Static in the home, when you don't do anything to resolve it, makes a bad connection in heaven. And then look at the next one, neglecting God's Word. Neglecting God's Word. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So that next statement, why would God do what I ask of him if I do not do what he asks of me? Why would God do what I ask of Him if I'm not doing what He asks of me? So again, as I turn from all distractions to get alone with God, realizing that prayer is getting plugged into the person and power of God to be lit up to be a light for Christ, I need to, learn. Lord, is there anything that's that's, going to... Keep me from getting plugged in? Is, is there any sin I need to confess? Am I being double-minded? Is there selfishness, insensitivity, unforgiveness, unresolved marital conflict? Any area where I'm neglecting your word, your teaching, and not putting it into practice in my life. So again, we're looking at how to plug into the power of God through prayer. We've seen refocus your thoughts on God. Turn your focus on God. Remove all distractions Realize that you're talking with the all-knowing, all-powerful, holy God. And in the fourth point, getting back on track. Now revive your heart in your Father's presence. Revive your heart in your Father's presence. Revive your heart in His love for you. In His sovereign control over your life. That He will not let anything touch your life unless He knows He can work it for your good and you can trust Him. Notice it says in Matthew 6, verse 6 and 8. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Folks, a lot of people read that and they say, well then why do we even pray? If He knows what I need before I ask Him, then why do I ask Him? Well, you're missing the whole point. And to me, this is one of the greatest truths about prayer that makes me so excited to go to God in prayer. Matter of fact, let let me tie it in with something else. And you've heard me share this in other times in the past. If you go back to that, um, that first point, refocus your thoughts on God, and where it says in Matthew 6, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, circle that word, inner room, inner room, in the Greek, that's the word tamion, okay, just hold that thought for a moment, now go back to what we just read, it says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask, in other words, you put all this together, and this is really exciting. As I go to God in prayer, I realize I worship a sovereign, holy God that is, control, that is in control. A God that's omniscient, that's all-powerful. A God who once He set His love on me in eternity past, He was able to foresee by means of His omniscience. He was able to foresee by means of every need I would ever encounter. Every crisis I would ever encounter. Every challenge I would ever encounter. Going back to how we began the study. Every circumstance I would ever face. Every person I would ever be confronted with. Every decision I would face. Every challenge that would come into my life. And God says, Andy, because of my great love for you. Not only did by means of my omniscience did I foresee that. But I made provision for you. And I've made provision before, for you before you even hit the need in time, space, and history. And now go back to Tamion. You know what a Tamion was? A Tamion was a room or a closet that existed in virtually every Jewish home. And it was a secret room, a concealed room, where they would store their riches. They're valuables. See, they didn't have banks that they could go to. They didn't have safety deposit boxes. So within the home, there would be a secret hiding place, a secret room, a secret closet where they would store those things. And God is saying, because I loved you so much, I used my omniscience. I foresaw every need crisis you would ever encounter. Because I loved you, I already met the need. And I put all those provisions in the tamion, in the inner room. The point being, if I neglect prayer, I miss all the care practices God's already dropped for me. That's why I'm so excited to go. I go to God in prayer knowing the need's already met. I just have the exciting opportunity to discover it. Okay, God, it's here. Open my eyes to see it. To grasp it. Now to appropriate it in my spirit time, space, and history, and to utilize it for your honor and glory. To live for you in every circumstance. Love like you in all relationships. Look to you in all decisions. And to lean on you in all challenges. Now, very, very quickly, and I'm just going to run through this, how to, walk, how to talk to God. Again, back on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm trying to be very simple, very practical, and here's where it begins, praise. In other words, once I... Turn from every other thing. Get my focus on God. Remove those distractions. Revive my heart, my Father's love, and my presence. It begins with praise. I give God my love. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. In other words, I take my focus off myself, and I put it on God. I don't want my prayers just to be an exercise of worry of expressing worry, expressing my selfish desires. Now, I want to get my focus on God for who He is, what He's done for me, and acknowledge that and praise Him. And then second, the issue of purpose. I give God my life. Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Circle the word will. God has a will for your life. You are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to walk in those good works He preordained for you. So I go into God's presence and I begin to praise Him. I express my love for Him, my affection for Him, my allegiance to Him. And then I surrender my life to follow His will, to be given His wisdom and guidance to do that. And then that takes me to the third thing, provision. I give God my worries. It says, give us this day what? Our daily bread. I give Him those needs, those concerns that could easily create worry in my life. And what all that worry does, I get so focused on the concern that I miss God as a present reality. And I miss... The provision He's made for me. I love Philippians 4.6 in the paraphrase of the message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. See, for a lot of believers, all prayer is is an exercise in worry. But he says, instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Knowing again the sovereign God has already made provision for you. Now you have the exciting task of discovering that and walking in it. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens. When Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Amen. And then notice the fourth thing. Pardon. I give God my guilt. We talked about this earlier. And forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. I make sure again that there's nothing between me and God. And then the fifth thing. People. I give God my hurts. As we have also forgiven our debtors. And we talked about that earlier in Matthew 6, 14, 15. Is another reinforcement, for if you forgive men for their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And then the sixth thing is protection. I give God my fears, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, when I go into God's presence, I can be totally honest and transparent, and I can ask God... What is out of control in my life? And you know what's out of control in your life. The point is, acknowledge it. God, I'm struggling controlling this. I need you. I'm totally dependent upon you. I'm desperate for you. In other words, don't try to conceal that from God. You can just pour your heart out to Him in your weakness. And then what scares you? Where are you frightened? Where are you concerned to give that? To God. So again, I trust that you'll take these sermon notes and you'll walk out of here using them as a worksheet uh, to be an aid for you in your prayer life uh, um, so that you can get connected to the person and power of God, uh, to be lit by Christ, to be a light for Christ, because that's the ultimate goal of it all, His glory, His Exaltation, Father. Uh, thank you for. Uh, I trust what has been a very practical lesson uh, on prayer, Lord. We could, of course, never exhaust this uh, issue or topic, uh, but Lord, uh, you meet us where we each are in our own walk and our level of maturity, and Lord, I'd pray you will do that, especially in this area of prayer, and that you would uh, draw us to yourself. To use prayer, uh, to get plugged into your person and powers we've discussed today, uh, to be lit by you, to be a light for others, uh, to live for you, to love like you, to look to you, and to lean on you in all things. For which in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. As the invitation is extended today, uh, possibly you've been uh, coming to Edgewood and uh, God's uh, leading you to become a part of this church family. And if that's true of you, I would encourage you to take this opportunity to just come down the aisle, acknowledge your desire to be a part of this church family, to give our family here at Edgewood an opportunity to see you and to begin to express their love and affirmation and appreciation for you, and you, know, you could begin your path of growth here in the church family. Um, uh, of course, you are possibly here, and uh, you don't know Jesus, and, uh, and, but Jesus knows you. He knows you, and He loves you, and He died for you, and He desires to take up residence in your heart to do everything we were talking about this morning. And He can only do that because of what He did for you when He died for the penalty of your sin to forgive you, and He rose again to offer you His life as a free gift. So I would encourage you uh, to open up your heart Invite Him in to forgive you of your sins, take control of your life, and begin that wonderful journey of uh, spiritual growth and uh, discovering His wonderful plan for your life and and, uh, becoming more and more like Him. So please stand as the invitation is extended. I'll stand here to greet anyone that has a decision of any nature.